Hello, you guys, and welcome back to Sunday Questions, the podcast. I am your host, Kayleen Bracken, and I, once again, I'm so excited to be doing another episode. We're on episode seven, which is crazy to think that I have already done six of these and that we're jumping on to number seven. I feel like I'm finally at a place where I have like the next few episodes planned out, and I'm excited. I know I always say we have guests coming on, but we actually have guests coming on, and uh, it's going to be really fun. I'm really just pumped about the next few episodes because I feel like they're very inspired which sometimes I feel like I'm grasping at straws anyway I hope everyone's having an amazing day it is currently Friday February 3rd and first of all happy February everyone this is going to be a great month objectively it is the fastest month so if you're having a hard time in 2023 so far don't worry because February is going to fly by and there's some fun things to look forward to Valentine's Day regardless of whether or not you have a Valentine is like so much fun I love the love theme so welcome to this episode we're doing 23 habits in 2023 and before we get into it I've decided I know I usually give you guys like a life update on what's been going on in the week that we missed so the last episode was the body image episode and honestly I thought I was going to make the next episode the part two but I felt like I wanted to really sit with the questions and I didn't I really have a hard time speaking when I don't feel compelled to speak So I decided that I will hold off on that one and we'll come back to it and circle back when we have time. But also I wanted to acknowledge that the audio quality on that episode is so terrible. It like sounds completely vintage. So anyway, I was very much aware of that and I want to find a podcasting studio in Nashville that I could go to because I think that would be really helpful for me just production wise. But obviously we're still really early on in the podcast and I so appreciate your patience with me when it comes to audio quality and just like editing stuff and the fact that we have no like jingle coming in and you guys are so cool because this is truly a bare bones podcast at the moment we don't even have brand art yet which is a goal of mine in february and we also don't have a jingle we don't have like a closing there's really like very little organization beyond the routine of this coming out every sunday and so every time i get a message from you guys that are like oh my gosh especially like my friends will text me and they're like oh my god my friend is listening to your podcast and she loves it or they love it it's so flattering to think that people that like don't actually know me are listening to this you guys are the coolest ever and I know I keep saying that but I really really do appreciate it so that's my update on last week's episode just following up on that and like I said it just became February and I went to the Noah Khan concert last night and it was I mean if you've been following me for like the past year you definitely know how much I love Noah Khan and he's like my favorite artist of all time it was so amazing it was at the Ryman Auditorium in Nashville which is like the coolest venue and I've just been having the best few weeks I feel like I'm in the best headspace I've been in in probably a year which is so exciting I just feel so joyous and fulfilled and my routine is awesome I just feel like I have really great people in my life right now and that concert going there and feeling already so incredible just day in and day out recently going to the concert was just like this amazing high that I felt and also so crazy Noah brought out Briston Maroney who I'm also a huge fan of and so like I wanted to go to Briston Maroney's concert as well and so seeing Briston Maroney on stage with Noah it was surreal and he was amazing and that was so much fun I was gonna do a something I'm struggling with something I'm looking forward to and something I'm grateful for right now and I think I'll still probably do that at the end of this little review of my week because not much else has happened but I have my first lacrosse game tomorrow or scrimmage we're playing Ohio State which should be fun which is actually a good segue into like what I'm struggling with and what I'm struggling with at the moment and I know a lot of college athletes listen to this but also people who are just dedicated to something that they love it's funny because when the season begins lacrosse season or any season if you're an athlete it's so easy the fall is really fun that's our off season but we still play and very chill there's not a lot of stakes high stakes but then when you get to the spring it's like a switch flips and suddenly it's super competitive and cutthroat and everyone is kind of like on each other and tensions are high and i'm not inspired by those things i'm not like inspired by competition i'm i'm much more like lulled by it like i get disappointed by it and diminished um, which is an interesting trait of mine, but I've found that come time for the season, I have to be really aware of 
the energy I let in, the conversations I partake in, and how I show up on the field, how I talk to my coaches, how I talk to my teammates. And so that's something that I've been working on just as I, as we get into the season, as we get into games, I'm realizing that I can't control other people's energy around me. And it would be absolutely hilarious if I tried to do that because it would be just a fruitless effort. So I am, in terms of what I'm struggling with, I'm struggling with not correlating my joy, my happiness, my worth to lacrosse because sometimes it just won't produce that for me. And like some days my happiest moments are at lacrosse, but some days it's really stressful and the energy that people bring just is not something that necessarily serves the group. And that's completely fine. It's just like a natural tendency of being in a competitive environment. But I, and like, I'm not special at all. I just, I'm super sensitive to it. And so I need to be aware of that because it affects the way that I play, the way that I go about my day. And that's something I'm struggling with. Something I'm looking forward to is, well, the month of February in general, I'm going to have like an amazing month that I'm really excited. I have some really fun visitors coming. My sister's coming at the end of the month and my dad gets here on Sunday. My mom gets here tomorrow. And I'm just so excited to see everyone. And I'm so pumped. I just feel like so happy and school's going really well. I love my classes. I feel like all my relationships in life are really good, really great right now. I just feel like very balanced, which is not necessarily where you have to be in order to maintain joy or happiness or whatever you want to call it. I feel really joyous um, about that. So I'm really looking forward to seeing my family and having my dad back in Nashville because he's going to be here for a while. And then despite what I just said about like the stress that lacrosse season causes, it's actually so much fun to get into it. And we have like parents coming every weekend and siblings around and the energy is super high and everything's just awesome. And so I'm excited to get into like game season, regardless of how it goes for me particularly. It's just a really special time. It's just a really special time. And I think that especially now I'm so acutely aware of how little time I have left in college and how little time I have left playing college across. And so I just feel like I want to treasure it and want to treasure the time I spend with my friends and the lacrosse team and our community. So that's really special to me right now. And then something that I'm grateful for recently has been my mental health. And I just feel like for probably, it's what, January now, probably six months, seven months, eight months, actually, I've been putting so much energy into reaching what I felt like would be an equilibrium with my mental health and feeling good and feeling like myself. And it genuinely took me way longer than I wanted it to, but I feel like I'm finally getting to a place where my thoughts aren't dictating my mind. They're just there and I'm really able to sit with them. And I think that's a testament to actually a lot of the habits I've implemented, especially a lot of the routines like breath work and meditation and eating in a way that serves me and hanging out with the right people. And so that's something I'm really grateful for. And I wanted to just give a vote of confidence to anyone who's struggling with their mental health right now, regardless of how you're struggling or if it's been worse before or if it's the worst it's ever been. I just want you to know that it's completely temporary and you're not crazy and keep putting your effort into getting better, but it doesn't have to become your whole life. And that's something I actually recorded a really frantic voice memo on probably two weeks ago because I had this moment of realizing that like for months and months, my number one priority was my mental health. And I actually became almost a recluse and closed off to people for a few months there because I just wanted my mental health back so that I could then return to the world the way that I had felt before, like with the joy and the peace and the no anxiety. And then I realized that if you are someone who is struggling with your mental health right now, or if you're someone who's ever going to struggle with their mental health, and we all do pretty much at some point. So the way I was thinking about it was that if there is a pendulum and you swing to one side, you're struggling with your mental health a lot and you swing to one side and that is like the self-care side of the pendulum and it's just like you're not going out you're not drinking you're not smoking you're not eating processed foods you're meditating every morning you're taking x amount of supplements you're going to this you're saunaing you're listening to podcasts those are things that when you're on that side of the pendulum i think you need at the beginning you at least need to try all of those things and giving your all to healing your brain and healing your mind and healing your body but it's not sustainable to stay on that side of the pendulum forever and i think that's where we get confused which is a little bit of what i'm going to talk about today but i found that if you let yourself swing to that side of the pendulum and start exploring self-care and self-care can be whatever it looks like you need maybe it's ending certain friendships maybe it's not going out as much maybe it's going out more whatever it is whatever your self-care looks like you could swing to that side of the pendulum and really lean into the extreme of like i am taking care of myself and when you need it and i found for like the months of september october november especially i felt like i really had to close off to the world and i really had to be very much internal and then as you find there's like this set point, like a sweet spot 
where you'll swing back and you'll find like, okay, maybe I don't need to do all 10 of these regimens. Maybe I don't need to do both meditation, breath work, Reiki, go to the sauna, go on a six mile walk every day, listen to this podcast every single day, recite these affirmations. Maybe you don't need to do all of those things if it's stressing you out especially. Maybe you don't need to do all of those things, but what are the things that you need to do most? Like for me, I know that the most important things to me are getting eight hours of sleep. That's number one, like minimum eight hours of sleep. My mental health is entirely dependent on my on my sleep, and I know that. Other things are obviously taking my medication. Like if I'm if you do not see me pop an Azoli in the morning, that's that's no good. Obviously not drinking. That's something that is not even a question to me but it's something that I do that it's like that's a non-negotiable and then other things just taking supplements breath work and meditation are non-negotiables for me but there's some things that I like to do sometimes like go on a walk or hang out with certain people or go here or save my money here and they're all self-care things but they don't have to be self-care non-negotiables so that is my advice for anyone who is struggling with their mental health right now because I'm really grateful to be in a place where I feel like my mental health is doing the best it's been in months which is I just like could cry I'm so grateful because it was a long few months there but I really do think that if you can figure out what self-care non-negotiables you have and it's going to be different for everyone like some people will need to meditate and some people won't some people will be fine if they just get eight to ten hours of sleep and take their medication or take this supplement or eat this certain way so figure out what are your non-negotiables like maybe it's you take one night a week to yourself. That's like a non-negotiable. It's a tradition you create with yourself. So now that we covered the recap, I want to get into today's episode, which is 23 habits in 2023. And so I started this, like you would think this would be one I would start off the year with. And I guess in the grand scheme of the year, February is still pretty early on. So this is a really fun way to kick off the beginning of the year. If you haven't done it yet, it's never too late. It's something that I was working on since January 1st, maybe even before that. And I just started compiling the list and I I could have sat there and made a bunch right on the spot, but I was like, I wanna figure out the ones that I'm actually living, figure out the ones that are really working for me and include those because I wanted to share them with you guys. And these range from being like philosophical to being as practical as like creating a high yield savings account. So these are the things that I'm doing in 2023 that have made this year really solid so far. Like this year has been amazing truly beyond my we're a month in it's like already beyond my wildest dreams of how sweet and lovely and special it's been so anyway I want to get started on these 23 habits I actually took this idea from Lexi Hidalgo who I love her podcast called the moments podcast and if anyone knows her I just feel like we'd be best friends so also she'd be a dream podcast guest like can someone tell Lexi Hidalgo to come on the podcast because I think we'd have a ball I also was laughing because earlier this week Anything Goes, which is Emma Chamberlain's podcast, came out and she did Realistic Habits. And I was laughing because I was like, everyone's going to think that I copied Emma because she's like my icon after that. But I actually, actually, I promise guys, I've been working on this for, for weeks, but um, hers were really good too. So I recommend that episode if you're looking into habits. Also, I'm not going to talk about like habit building per se, because I can talk about another episode if you want, but Mel Robbins has a really great episode on habit building. If that's something you're interested in, if you're like, I have a hard time keeping habits. These are more things that are like lifestyles, lifestyle habits. So number one, smiling at people in the grocery store. I want to make a habit about smiling at people at times when I could very well just keep a straight face. And this is something that's very small, but I love long distance running and I love going on long walks. And I'm from New Jersey, obviously, so it's not notoriously the friendliest state, but I mean, people smile from where I'm from at each other. But when I came to Nashville, everyone's like, oh, Southern hospitality, everyone's so friendly. Not on walks, you guys, okay? Not on runs. For some reason, every run I go on, I always run into someone or a few people who just don't even acknowledge me. And I love smiling at people on runs. I always have, ever since I started running, I, the greatest part of my run has been when you exchange like a a smile or a wave at another runner because you're like in solidarity with them. And I came home from a run a few weeks ago and I was telling my roommate, I was like, I cannot stand when people don't smile at me on their runs. Like, I don't care if you're fighting for your life. Curl those, curl those lips up, okay? Give me a smile, give me a grin. At the very least, wave to me. Even when I am absolutely fighting for my life, running uphill, you will see me. My eyes will light up and I will say hi to someone just for fun. And that is something that I want to apply in my life now 
and not just on runs. Like I do on walks and runs and when you're chatting with someone, like saying, being kind to strangers because every time it happens to me, like every time someone is kind to me or I have a random exchange with people and I'm notoriously, I'm a very friendly person, but I really, really want to be more friendly to people who I don't know, like I don't know if they have been spoken to today. I don't know if they've been like loved on. And I want to at least give them a little bit of restoration of faith in humanity that people are kind and people care about one another. Because even every time I get in an elevator and I decide not to say hi to the person or not say have a great day when I leave, I feel like shit. I'm like, why didn't I just say that? Especially if they say it and you you didn't say it first. Or like, if you wait for someone to wave to you, like be the first one to wave. Risk being embarrassed. Like be so unapologetically friendly and kind and obviously not like overbearing, but friendly and kind and caring for the people around you regardless of whether you know them or not. And again, disclaimer, of course there are situations, especially for young women where like, I'm like, I'm not gonna be friendly to this random man on the street because maybe I am fearing for my safety and sometimes people read situations weirdly. So obviously read situations, you guys are all, have a great deal of wherewithal about those things. But I just mean like when you're in an opportunity, when you have an opportunity to be kind to someone or to be friendly or to make someone feel seen and cared about, even if you don't know them, do it. Because it always comes back to you and you always feel better. It always gets me so hyped when people are just saying hi to each other and being kind. So next is kind of similar. As you can tell, I care like a lot about spreading love. My God, that will have me in like douche of the year. Yeah, I care a lot about spreading love. (laughs) But saying I love you when I feel it. So this is something I've definitely talked about on here before. But I had this conversation with my friend's mom. She was saying that like I don't understand. I was telling her about a crush I had like sophomore year of college. And she was like, I just don't understand why everyone's so shameful about how they feel about other people. Like, so many people, they withhold their love because they think it is so treasured. There is no carrying capacity on love. You have no no shortage of love. Do you know that? But you do have a shortage of time. You have a shortage of energy. So protect those things. Protect who you spend your time with. Be, Be selective about who you spend your time with. Be selective about where you put your energy, who you give your energy to. But love... You have all the love in the world to give. So give it. Give it to people in the elevator. Give it to people all around. And I'm not saying you have to say, I love you, I love you, I love you. Some people don't feel comfortable doing that. But showing people love in small ways, like I just even posted something on my Instagram story. This morning, my friend was wearing a Lonely Ghost sweatshirt and it said different ways to say, I love you. And it was so beautiful. It really is like, I'm just reading off of it now. It says, want me to scratch your back? You'll do great. I'm so happy for you tell me more. I got you something. You want to go for a walk? What would I do without you? You're my favorite, which is one of my favorites. There are just so many. Like, they're all cooked tonight. I'll get you an Uber. I like you. Drive safe. Text me when you get home. I'll warm up the car for you. Oh my god, that's that's a big dad move and I love it. I'm so proud of you. There are just so many ways to say I love you that aren't I love you or I'm in love with you. Like, there are just a million things that you can do to make people feel more loved in your life. And I just want to employ those things. Like I am huge, and I know I've talked about this before on my account a bunch and probably on the podcast. I'm so huge on telling people the good things you think about them as soon as you think think it. And you could ask my teammates, like I'll randomly bring up things that I appreciate about them or like about them in during drills and things that I notice. It's just a really good habit to get into is saying, oh, I just had this thought about you. And like, whether it's, wow, you look so composed out there and I really admire it, or I admire how intentional you are with your words, things like that, or, or I love your smile, or you look so happy, or oh my gosh, I have to send you this TikTok, or this video made me think of you. It's like to be known and to be seen is to be loved. And so creating those kinds of relationships in your life and making an effort to love people is so, so special for the quality of your life and it will make you a happier and ultimately a healthier person. So anyway, say I love you to the people you love. Obviously, you don't have to be throwing I love you around at people that you don't love. But if you feel it, like, we know what love feels like. I think that's pretty true. We know what love feels like when you love someone. I remember my parents used to tell me, oh, I just had the biggest love wave for you. And it's like this feeling of admiration and love. And I I feel like I've gotten really good at telling people when I'm having those moments for them and being like, holy shit, I love you so much. Or I'm so grateful for you. Or you make me so happy. And you can just feel it coming from that person that it's so genuine so i love employing that moving on to number three (laughs) okay this one i posted on my finsta i don't know if i'd call it a finsta but i have like another account and i posted this probably like three or four weeks ago three weeks ago four weeks ago 
I posted, I will not say goodnight to a man who is not my blood relative unless he's my boyfriend. So transparently, I did already break this habit, but I included it in here because I think it's a really good habit. I also think it's funny. So this is the thing I was talking about last week with how many people do you guys say goodnight to? Because I don't think saying goodnight to people over text, especially, or even on the phone is something that's like, unless someone is physically present with you, saying goodnight to them to me is something I like usually would never do. So again, I did break this habit, but if you're someone who's like in like a silly little situationship and you're like, I'm not saying goodnight to this person until they commit. Obviously, if you want to say goodnight to someone, say goodnight to someone. Like I said, I've been doing it. So that's a story for another time, folks. But I think this is a good rule to go by if you're someone who finds yourself getting attached situations or becoming consumed with relationships, whatever. And this is this is for obviously apply it to whoever you're attracted to, but I'll not say goodnight to someone, to a member of the preferred sex who is not my blood relative unless they are your boyfriend or girlfriend, whatever. So two minute rule. This is our next one. And this is actually one. I think that I got this from Lexi Hidalgo's TikTok once, but she talks about the two minute rule, which is something that has really helped me because growing up, I would always leave dishes in the sink to like air quotes soak. Um, and my parents would be furious because I would leave it there for two days. And so the two minute rule is essentially that if a task is going to take you less than two minutes, you have to do it right then. So whether it's filling out a form or sending an email responding to a text message or doing the dishes, if you know it's going to take you less than two minutes, even if it's going to be like five, just do it. Just get it out of the way. Check it. Check the box. It's so helpful. Actually, like I've found myself recently too, even just since I learned this rule, I'll be leaving the kitchen and I'm like, oh, God damn it. That's going to take two minutes and I have to do it. Or I know it's going to take two minutes to put my laundry in. So I have to do it. And it's so helpful. It gets really, especially filling out forms and sending emails. It's like, it's not going to take you that long. And you, you build up the task so much more than it actually needs to be built up. So that's a great habit that I've been employing. Now we're on to number five. And I don't know where I saw this or like what the actual philosophy behind it is. I'm pretty sure it just creates joy, but I've been trying to do at least one eight minute phone call to someone that I love. So usually that's a family member. One of my January intentions was to speak on the phone with a family member every day. And I think I did. I called at least my mom or my brother, my sister, my dad. I'm sure I spoke to one of them at least once a day, all of January. And my family is like incredibly important to me as you, a lot of you guys know. So that was awesome. But I wanted to expand it to people also who I like don't really talk to that much. So calling friends, maybe my friends who are abroad, catching up with them and just people that I don't usually talk to on the phone, especially for that short of a period of time. And I was laughing because the day that I wrote this eight minute phone call habit, I actually spoke to my dad on the phone that day. And when I hung up, I looked at how long the phone call was and it was exactly eight minutes. And it was perfect. We like caught up, we chatted, he had to run, but we gave each other like a little review of our week, what was going on, what we were looking forward to, if we were struggling with anything, super quick, like, how are you? I love you. And then we hung up and it was eight minutes and I went through the rest of the day being like, oh, I feel great that I spoke to my dad and I love having a good phone call. Like a good phone call is just so money. So that's been really great. And if you're someone who has a hard time staying in contact with your friends, like I know my friends, just because we're all in colleges all over the country and some of my friends are abroad right now, it's like we're having a hard time connecting all the time, especially when we're all apart. And so when you have time to call someone or even just to send a voice memo their way, it goes so far for both yourself and for that person okay next this one i have been employing like nobody's business so i have been really into the fact that we hold tension and anxiety in our body and so when i feel awkward in a situation or anxious in a situation even if it's just like hanging out with a new person or being in a stressful situation i my number one thing best piece of advice i could give you if i'm about to take a test same thing is to drop your shoulders Even right now, like the way I'm sitting, naturally I hold my shoulders almost like closer to my ears than to where they are naturally going to rest. And so it's because just you hold tension in your neck, you hold tension in your shoulders, and we're all so chronically stressed in a lot of situations that we just hold our shoulders up there. And whenever I'm in a situation, I find myself in that body positioning, I just drop my shoulders and I feel so much better. And it's not gonna cure your anxiety. I can feel my entire body relax when I do that. And it almost has become this kind of prescription to me where as I am in an anxious situation, in having a difficult conversation, approaching a stressful assignment or test or whatever, I'll just drop my shoulders and 
it makes me feel so relaxed because it kind of like opens up your airways too and you just feel like much more confident and much more at peace it's grounding so i recommend doing that i've literally found myself like in conversations with people maybe it's my first conversation with them or maybe i'm in class and i feel like i talked too much and i'll just be like okay kayleen drop your shoulders and every time i feel better so that was something I really wanted to tell you guys about because I wanted you guys to be able to employ it. That's what my goal was with all of these. I just want you guys to be able to employ the ones that resonate with you because I think sharing our habits, it's like creating an Amazon storefront for self-care and well-being. That's like my thesis, I think, of life. I am trying to be a walking Amazon storefront for wellness tools. Next, this one says homework. Sundays are not for homework. Sundays are not for homework, guys. They're not. They're just not for homework. Sundays are for rest and everyone acts like I have Adderall flowing through my veins. I've never taken Adderall. Everyone acts like I am, am on one when I tell them that I do my homework like a week in advance. And yes, I know that that sounds like crazy person behavior, but I do it because I don't want to be stressed. I want to find time for myself. And so I do my homework so well in advance that if something does come up, then I have the time and the space and the mental energy, the capacity to actually perform when I'm actually completing that thing. So my philosophy here is if you can get your homework done in that like Friday afternoon lull, so maybe you're getting out of classes, you have a few hours, and I know Fridays are kind of like you just want to kick back and not do academic stuff or not do your work. So my best advice is to use a Friday lull or maybe it's like a Tuesday lull or a Thursday lull to get ahead on your work and write down the things you want to do. I have like a whole notes page where I write like looking ahead so I'm aware of anything I have within the next probably three to four weeks and I'll try to just check as many boxes as I can. Like if I can get everything done before that time comes and I can go back and revisit it or I can go back and edit it, my work always comes out better. I always feel better and I always have more time and space for one, doing the things that I want to do, whether that's grabbing dinner with a friend spontaneously or going to bed early or reading a book or watching a movie. I also have time to really sit with the work that I'm doing and appreciate it rather than feel like I procrastinated it and then have to do it. And as you know, Sundays are really sacred to me. It's like the way you're starting your week. So if you're starting your week off on a poor foot, if you're starting your week off hungover, which again, it's fine, but if you're starting your week off hungover and then you spend the whole day laying in bed and you feel like shit and you feel like shit about yourself which is that's the worst part who cares if you're hungover what sucks is that you're starting the week feeling anxious or shitty about yourself and then you don't spend your day doing work and then it comes to 8 p.m and you start cranking all this work out and you're like I don't even want to be doing this work I'm not absorbing anything I'm not learning anything like that is not a way to one do work that you're literally paying to do or spend your Sunday like Sunday is a full day of rest and so well a full day that you usually don't really have many things to do and so using them obviously if you're working it's a different situation but using Sundays to do what you want to do to be productive in whatever way you want to be productive and maybe that is doing work but deciding I really mean like homework let's take homework as a metaphor homework is pressure it is heavy responsibilities it's a little bit boring it's a little bit sterile that is not what Sundays are for. Sundays in my little fairy brain are for candles and meals that take a long time to cook and friends on my couch and watching a movie and making a good dessert. Like that is Sunday. I had the best Sunday last week and me and my friend literally just sat on our couch and watched like six documentaries while we kind of did stuff on our computers. Like I just literally was on Facebook Marketplace per usual. But it's so nice when you make that day a special day for you because then even if you do go out on Saturday night and you wake up again like feeling poorly, you at least have that day cleared out for you to intentionally rest and feel like shit in a place that feels safer, you know, than feeling like you have to be productive on a Sunday. Like do your work on a Friday, do your work on a Thursday, get ahead of it. You will thank you. Future you will thank present you or past you. Next one, we're on to number eight. This is something I learned on a Mel Robbins podcast episode and it is that I will not complain about the weather. So the reason that I've decided that I will not complain about the weather is because the weather is the epitome of something that you cannot control. And so again, the weather can be a metaphor if you want in this, but I literally mean like I will not complain about if it's hot, if it's cold, if it's raining. I am going to be psyched regardless of the weather because it translates to the way you approach the rest of your life. So if you're arguing with reality, if you're saying 
Oh my God, it's so rainy. It's so cold. I, I won't do this because it's cold because it's icy. I'm sorry, but I've got to give you guys a true who cares because you can't control the weather and you can't control a lot of things. So getting used to accepting the weather, and I think it actually is a great metaphor, but getting used to accepting the weather exactly as it is and not complaining about it or resisting it is going to translate into every area of your life. And it's like approaching all of those things by being unbothered, by being stoic. And that's why my word for February is unbothered. Like you say something embarrassing, unbothered you do this unbothered you get a c on a quiz unbothered you embarrass yourself in front of your crush unbothered you're gonna be unbothered and the weather unbothered like you cannot control the weather and so arguing with it i say in every episode because i just want people to understand it when you argue with reality that is when suffering happens so when you argue with the weather you're literally creating internal suffering and we can't like it's casual to be suffering at the hands of something you cannot control. In this case, it's the weather, but in most cases, it's a variety of things. So that is why I vowed to not complain about the weather because I think it is stupid. There, I said it. I think it's stupid to complain about the weather. Next, which is kind of like segueing off of that, relate to people about the good and not about the bad because it's more of an effort. And so it's so easy to go up to someone and I still do it and be like, damn, I'm tired. You tired? damn, I have this quiz. I'm so annoyed. It's like the first thing we go to. I don't know why we really do it. We just try to relate to people based off the bad because I think those emotions are more approachable and they're easier to predict the reactions people will have. Like if somebody came to me and was like, damn, I'm so tired. And I turned and I was like, really? No way. I'm skipper right now. I'm pretty amped. They'd be like, oh, that's um, that was not what I was expecting. I was just expecting them to relate to me. But somebody yesterday who was at our apartment for this dinner party we had last night and I witnessed one person who was there ask another girl, she was like, what's your favorite class you've ever taken at Vanderbilt? Like what was the most interesting class you've ever taken at Vanderbilt? And it was such a casual interaction, but it was so positive. And so I was thinking about like, how can I relate to more people based on the good? How can I leave a conversation? How can I leave the person I'm talking to feeling better than when I first approached them or they approached me how can I say oh well what are you looking forward to and that's been my go-to question recently what are you looking forward to this week what are you looking forward to this weekend and it's funny because sometimes even people are like I'm looking forward to the week being over so negativity still just naturally has a place in a lot of people's lives which is fine but it really is an effort to come up with stuff that you can relate over that's positive and and not negative and not self-deprecating like find something that really gets you and the person you're talking to excited and feeling good and feeling fulfilled and leaving the conversation feeling better than when it began next oh so responding to this is something i realized the other day and i was mortified with the way my ego reared its head and i'm not saying i have no ego like i certainly do but i really try to keep it in check and i forgot what the context was but someone was telling me about an accomplishment they had or something or a job they got and my immediate response internally was to tell them something about something i did and i was like what the fuck that is so weird that was very strange And then I noticed more people doing it. And it's like, I wrote in this habit, stop responding to people's achievements slash majors slash job opportunities with something about myself. Oh, that's what it was. Somebody, oh my goodness, that's exactly what it was. Okay, you guys just watched me have like a aha moment. I was in class and everyone was talking about their majors and minors. And I study the communications of science, engineering, and technology. And a lot of people who have that major are like double majored with like neuroscience or physics or something really impressive. Not to say that the major in and of itself is not impressive as well, but it's like people oftentimes come and they list out these things. They list out their minors and I just am like, well, should I say I have this minor? Should I say I do this or that? And in that moment, I was like, no, Kaylin, you don't need to prove yourself to anyone. You love what you do in school. I'm sure they're great. You should just be happy for them. Celebrate them. That Their success, their accomplishments, their major their majors, their minors, literally do not take away from your experience whatsoever. And so checking your ego, and that's just a habit to get into in every conversation, every interaction you have of like, where's my ego coming in? But especially that, it's like, if someone tells you an accomplishment, if they tell you their major, if they tell you a job opportunity they have, and you respond or even feel the urge to respond by saying like, oh, well, look what I did, or look what I have, or look at me, it's like, that's not relatable. They want to be celebrated. So just give them that. Celebrate them. It's not about you. You will get your turn. People will celebrate you. But when you're that guy who someone's like, yeah, yeah, I'm engaged. And you're like, oh, well, that's so cool. I actually just met the love of my life. They're like, okay, this, how, how can I make this about me? That's, that is 
some serious BS. So don't do that <laughs> is my sound advice for you guys. But just also being aware of it. Like when you're in class and someone's like, yeah, I'm a CSET major with a neuroscience and physics minor. And my brain goes to the place of like, should I tell them my minor? And it's like, no, because they don't give a fuck. And you probably shouldn't either. So try to remain aware of your ego and be aware of when it rears its head and says, you should tell them something about you. You should make this about you. How can we celebrate you in this moment? It's like, you can celebrate you 24 hours a day. You only have that one moment to celebrate that person or even just be neutral to that person. But you do not have to bring yourself up to their level, nor do you have to bring them down to yours. Okay, next is automating your health and this is something i was really excited to talk to you guys about because automating my health it kind of actually goes back to what i was talking about with the pendulum of like you swing on that self-care pendulum and sometimes you're totally neglecting your self-care other times you're totally on board with it you're doing face masks every night you're taking a bath you're taking your symbiotic you're eating super healthy whatever it is that is you're going to bed early like that whole vibe of being super in like your quote-unquote self-care era and like I was talking about finding your sweet spot and what works for you and what are your non-negotiables when it comes to taking care of yourself and automating your health is something that I find I think it's brilliant I think the idea of setting yourself up for consistent success for optimal brain function for optimal body function figuring out what things you need to do and how you need to implement them into your life so that they become habits and routines like I know that the minute I wake up, the first thing I do is grab my phone and I put on my breath work because I feel like my brain is so malleable in the morning. I'm just so easily influenced for the rest of the day when I am like half awake doing my breath work, doing my meditation. I feel like I really sink into it and that becomes my mindset for the day. And as soon as I do that, I get out of bed and then I take my, I brush my teeth, drink my water, and then I take all my medication, all my supplement, all my supplements, and then I get in the shower and I listen to music and everything is just so oriented. It's so routine, but these are the little things that I do that really help my health. They really help my mental health, my physical health. I'll go to get a coffee and that brings me joy. And so I'm automating everything in my life so that I don't have to think about it. I don't have to think about where I'm spending my money. I don't really have to think about who I'm spending my time with because I'm staying in my circles that make me feel really good and making intentional friendships outside of those circles, being intentional. So everything is automated because everywhere you turn, it's like, I'm doing something that's good for myself. I'm seeing someone that makes me feel good. I'm walking, I'm doing this. I have a certain routine and it really just goes back to creating a routine. I'm gonna wake up at this time, I'm gonna do this and figuring out what those non-negotiables are. How can you implement them into your schedule in particular? And maybe it's two things. Maybe it's, I'm gonna sleep for eight hours. I'm gonna take a probiotic in the morning. I'm gonna do my skincare, whatever. That's your whole thing, but automate it so that it becomes just second nature to you. And then by the time you've actually been doing those things for like say 30 days, you are gonna feel different when you do it for 60 days you're going to look different 90 days you are going to feel a completely different vibe of where you were 90 days ago even 10 days and you're going to feel a completely different vibe you are going to feel your energy is going to be so much more potent that's at least what i found and you're going to be able to access it so much more easily and control it and it's not going to be emotionally turbulent because you're automating your health and everywhere you turn you're supporting yourself so that is what i mean by automating your health and an extension of automating your health is this idea that I wanted to put in here because it's something I find really important in my life, especially as a young young adult in my 20s, is creating traditions with friends. So people sleep on creating traditions and I think oftentimes they're talked about like, oh, this is we have this little tradition. For example, something that my friend and I are doing this year and she's a senior, so it's her last semester of college, is friday brunch so every friday is basically from noon until the, the night like off we finish lacrosse we finish classes by noon and we've decided we're going to do a lunch every time so we'll either try somewhere new or we'll cook and that tradition brings me so much joy because it's predictable i know who i'm going to be with sometimes we add other friends that can join us and it's just this really wonderful joyful experience even just having people over on a sunday night like i was talking about sundays are not for work so Knowing the predictability and the tradition of having my friends in my apartment on Sunday or in the fall, my friends and I did Saturday brunches and everyone would come over and we would cook. And it's like creating those traditions is a means of automating your health as well because your health also comes from the spiritual community aspect of being around people and loving people and feeling loved. And so by having those traditions in place, whether it's like 
me and so-and-so are going to have a dinner every Wednesday. Me and, like, one of my friends and I had a dinner every Wednesday, coincidentally, and we realized, we're like, oh, we should make this a tradition. And so finding these little traditions you can create, especially for those of you in college who want to create, like, kick-ass memories. And if you are a senior, if you're a junior, like, there's very little time left in college, which is fine and dandy, but it's amazing if you can look back and be like, oh, remember when my friends would all have Sunday dinner or we would all do Monday dinner or get ice cream after practice or something like that. It's so, so special to have. And I really encourage you guys to create at least one tradition, whether it's going on a walk on a Sunday with one of your friends or having all of your friends over for brunch on a Sunday morning, figure out something that you can do. Maybe it's a movie night. Maybe it's a date night with your partner. Traditions rock and they create predictability, which creates confidence and overall just enhances the joy in your life. Next is I fucking love this one you guys Matthew McConaughey first of all is perfect I think I think that's the word so he posted this video about not leaving crumbs naturally this is a metaphor but he basically refers to crumbs as decisions and choices we make daily that are going to buy time from our future so when we leave crumbs quote-unquote crumbs we're creating yellow and red lights in our future and what he talks about is like let's say you want to get to the next point in your life But in order to get there, you have to screw someone over or you have to drop a friend here that was actually a good person, good friend to you. And then you have to go throughout the rest of your life avoiding that person. You're leaving crumbs. Let's say you were in a class and you cheated on something, but you didn't get caught that time. You then have to navigate the rest of that class hoping that you don't get caught for cheating. You're leaving crumbs. And not only will it probably result in a yellow light or a red light in the future, even if it doesn't, you have to live with the weight of that. You have to live with the crumbs. It's like crawling into bed at the beach and there's sand in your sheets. Nobody wants that. Nobody's cool with that. And after a while, there's going to be so many crumbs if you just keep leaving them and leaving them that you're not even going to want to go anywhere. You're going to be stagnant and it's going to have the reverse effect of green lighting, which is a verb I just made up and I really like. So I think that Matthew McConaughey's idea of, I he said, leave no crumbs. I think my habit is to minimize crumbs. And that is literally going from being in my kitchen and actually wiping up crumbs to also being in my bedroom and if there's three pieces of clothes on the floor when I'm leaving to go to class clean those up don't leave those crumbs because it's going to take time away from me in the future same thing with the two minute rule these all really connect they're a lot about efficiency a lot about productivity a lot about accountability and minimizing the crumbs you leave in relationships in friendships if you're telling lies, if you are screwing people over, if you are cheating, if you're doing X, Y, Z, there's a million ways you can leave crumbs, even if they're physical crumbs in your kitchen, or you're borrowing someone's clothes and not giving them back, so then you need to avoid them, or you stole something from someone, you're leaving crumbs. Stop leaving crumbs. Get a Kleenex right now. Everyone grab a Kleenex. Think about the things you can wipe up, the crumbs you can get out of your way so you can free yourself from that mess and continue on in a clean space. So I love that one. If anyone wants the video, you can DM me and I'll send it to you of him explaining it and he looks great in it. So that's a plus. Okay. This one goes back to our Sunday's conversation. This is something I learned from Will Arnett on Smartless. He was talking about how his family does Sundays, no one in, no one out. So on Sundays, no one's allowed to leave the house really. And no one's allowed to come into the house so you don't invite friends over that aren't in like your immediate family in that case and no one leaves so no one's like heading out to go do other things and of course it sounds really extreme especially when you're in college and like you have a million friends coming in and out of your houses but I love the idea because I have like a super close-knit group here at school and we spend our Sundays together always and we recently came up with the Sundays no one in no one out thing for ourselves and so last Sunday I was actually going out to do work at a coffee shop and then I realized I was like oh shit it's Sunday no one in no one out and so I went back and like I said I ended up having the most lovely relaxing day with my friends at our apartment but it's such a fun rule to have and so having that habit is really cool and it doesn't mean you can't invite people over but I think the sentiment behind it is we're gonna have a close-knit family day friend day creating your own little family in your space and holding everyone close and having that day of quality time and quality time is personally my love language so it means the world to me that was just a fun one Okay, 15, we're, we're nearing the end. This is a habit that goes kind of without saying, but I'm really glad I've been working on it, is not picking my skin. So I have a tendency to like, if I have a little bump on my skin, I get so neurotic about it and I like pick at it and then it gets way worse and everyone knows how that goes. So I have recently been making it a habit to really not pick my skin and I am so excited about the results. I am really confident in my skin at the moment and 
I think part of the reason is because I'm not going into every single little bump that I see because sometimes you're really just like hallucinating, but then you create a bump. And so that's a habit that I encourage anyone who is a skin picker to employ. Next, 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 next. Okay, this one is kind of a tough one that I debated not sharing, but my friends at home and I were talking about this. So has anyone heard about the 80-20 rule? I guess you guys can't answer me. The 80-20 rule when it comes to eating, it's like 80% regimented, disciplined, super clean whatever that means, and then 20%, like whatever you want to eat. And so that's the rule for eating. And so there is a book called The Four Agreements, and it talks about being impeccable with your word, which means like if you wouldn't say something to someone's face, you probably should not be saying it at all. And so as I'm getting older, I am realizing how absolutely disgusting and shitty talking about people makes me feel. Still, I am a human being, and I'm in situations where people are being discussed and transparently i'm not always silent because sometimes i do have things to say i do have thoughts but i always feel worse after doing it 100 percent of the time i've never come away from a conversation where i have said something poor about someone else and been like yeah that felt good it's never a release it never feels good it always feels like shit. it always hurts my soul a little bit and i know that sounds annoying and pretentious but this is something for someone who feels like you're always talking about other people i had the habit I try to do 100% of not talking shit about people ever but naturally I'm going to end up in conver- I'm 20 years old okay nobody's perfect I'm going to end up in conversations where we're- things about people whether we know them or whether they're like a celebrity are being said that are not impeccable that pe- that would not be said to their face and it's fine it's something I have to come to peace with I can't just tell myself I'm a terrible person every time I'm in the room for a conversation like that but I found for a lot of my friends at home because especially we've had conversations where they're like well like completely cutting out gossiping as a 20 year old especially with the historical implications of gossiping for women and how it kept women safe and stuff which is another podcast episode (laughs) but talking about gossiping and like how much is it appropriate to gossip I realized I was making myself feel terrible that if I was like a hundred percent on board to never gossip never say anything about anyone and I think that's a great like shoot for the moon, you'll land among the stars. But for someone who is getting started and trying to refine how often you talk about other people or being impeccable with your word, I employed the 80-20 rule. So 80% of the time, you are just only ever saying amazing things about people. Ideally, you'd be talking about ideas, the whole like big idea, big minds talk about ideas, little minds talk about people. And try to be a big mind, try to talk about ideas. You don't need to be talking about other people. Obviously, some things are going to come up. We're human beings. We're all interacting with one another. It's natural. But the 20% rule is like that's not I'm not saying use 20% of your time to talk shit about people or to be negative, but don't shit on yourself so much if you do or if you're like me and you end up in a conversation like that where you're like a little bit neurotic about karma and stuff. Use that 20% to just try your best. 80% you are diligent. You are disciplined. You are not saying a negative thing about someone else especially, especially, especially if they're not there. The other 20%, be aware. I'm not saying to use it. Like I said, don't use that time to then release everything you saved up over the 80%. But if you're going to say something about someone else, it better come with an intention. Like you're talking to a trusted individual. You call your mom, your dad, your best friend, and you say it to them, but you don't say it in a group setting. You don't say it to make them feel ashamed. You say it, honestly, admit that you're saying it for you and not to shit on them, not to take them down. You're saying it for you because you want to say it You want someone to relate to you over it. And that's the 20% of the 80-20 rule of being impeccable. Hopefully that makes sense because I feel like I kind of convoluted it. But if that makes sense to you, smash that like button. (laughs) Okay, next one. This goes off the same thing. Never be the one to start a negative conversation about someone else or someone who isn't there. So my God, doesn't it feel terrible to be the one who's like, wait a minute, T, can I tell you something? And then you shit on someone else. It just sucks. Like if someone comes to you and they like tell you something, it can also be awkward because you're like, how do I react to this? But I think a rule to abide by in 2023 is like, yes, negative conversations are going to happen. People are going to talk about one another, but don't be the one don't be the instigator. I don't know if I need to say much more than that. We just talked about the 80-20 rule of being impeccable, but never be the one to start a negative conversation. And I find myself being a culprit of this. Like sometimes I'll make a joke that then turns into a negative conversation. And it just gets frustrating for me because again, like I said, I feel really shitty when I'm in those conversations, let alone when I'm the one who instigates them. It's like shot to the heart. I feel terrible. So that's that. Next is, oh, I love this one. This is something I learned. I've learned in many ways. If you want something to last, don't rush it. So my example for this is if you are absolutely loving a book, you're loving it. You want it to last. You want it to last you a month. 
You want this book to go by slowly. You're not going to read it in one weekend. You're not going to flip through the pages as quick as you can. You're going to savor it. And I think about this especially with relationships, namely romantic relationships. I've made the mistake of being like, oh my god, this is so awesome. Let's run with it. But you don't always need to run with anything. And so when you find, especially with relationships, a relationship, whether it's a friendship or romantic relationship, that you really, really love. I think it mainly applies to romantic relationships, to be honest with you. But when you find a romantic relationship that really means the world to you and you're like, this is special and I could see myself with this person long term, like down the line, take the time to acknowledge those feelings, to be excited that they're there and then say, okay, but let's just see how it plays out. Let's not attach to any outcomes breathe let's appreciate the process of getting to know this person of of engaging with this person of learning what they're like of learning what i'm like around them learning how they make me feel familiarizing myself with that process of kind of falling into a new relationship and that's something that i want to be really serious about in 2023 is like being very slow and diligent and intentional about my relationships and how am i approaching this and how can i really do justice to this if i want it to last because if you want something to be like a, a one and done sure rush it hook up with them the first 10 minutes you meet them but if you want something to last i think my advice would be and this is going to myself as well but it's important it's so important to not rush things i've made the mistake of rushing things like i said and just sit back no one's going anywhere everyone just breathe <laughs> anyway i had to learn the hard way that you should not rush things that you want to last whether it's a book or a relationship or weight loss if you are losing weight for example if you want it to last rushing it is most certainly not going to make that sustainable so there's a million examples where this sentiment holds true and i wanted to share that with you guys because i think a lot of us get excited about things whether it's losing weight or getting a new job or whatever it is finding someone new in our life it's like slow down because that's how you're going to do due diligence and you're going to be present you're going to be intentional about it when we rush into things it's just hasty it doesn't work next i was so excited to share this with you guys because it has been life-changing for me and my friends it's the idea of like applying inertia in your life and this sentiment of just being like moving on moving on something shitty happens moving on failed a test moving on got broken up with moving on yes honor the feelings i always say that but i don't know why when i came up with this but i just remember being like moving on i love it like oh god okay moving on especially being an athlete like we have so many drills where it's like you fuck up and the ball goes the other way and it's like moving on like you, you don't have the time to not move on you have to move on moving on it's even like with previous relationships i've had like i've recently found myself being like i don't even need to pay attention to those moving on like moving on moving on moving on and i know i sound like a broken record but this is something i wanted to share with the group because one of my friend's grandfathers so shout out to papa smith he last year texted one of our friends and like his granddaughter we had just lost a game and he was sending like a message of consolation saying blah 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 like i'm so sorry about the loss whatever summer is coming and we ran with it whatever summer is coming and so my advice my habit is actually using the word whatever more because that is one powerful word someone's like you're ugly whatever i don't really like you whatever i love whatever i need to say whatever more and that's also why i put this on the list but if you really want to add some spice to it it doesn't matter what time of year it is because it's always it's always timely you go whatever summer is coming and my friends i'm I hope they're listening because we all use this all the time next time you're feeling like shit or you fail something or something bad happens, I mean, something relatively bad, not like horrible, not tragic, um, whatever, summer is coming. Moving on. I didn't even mean to be like intentionally moving on, but moving on. Okay, this one is so practical. Everyone get out your pen and paper because I need everyone to do this because it'll make you feel way better about your life. Create a high yield savings account. I use Marcus by Goldman Sachs and transfer X amount of dollars into it every week. You can automate this so it's similar to automating your health automate your savings. And I, I picked a number that correlated to my income and what I can put into that comfortably. And when I look at the numbers that I'll have by the end of a school year, it's insane. And obviously you could put in $50, you could put in $500 based on whatever you're earning, but even putting in like $25 a week, it will accumulate and you'll just feel like you have this, whether that's an emergency fund, learning how to save is so important and it's so accessible. I don't even think about it. My account, my money just moves every week and I go to that account and it's in there and it feels great and I know that I have it. And 
it's awesome just having those savings are going to build up over years and also if you have a high yield savings account it earns interest which is really important so there are two uh people that i often go to if you go to her first 100k on instagram she's amazing her name's tori dunlap and she's just like this badass financial feminist is her podcast and then ramit sethi who is the author of i will teach you to be rich he is amazing they both will direct you to great high yield savings accounts i love Marcus by Goldman Sachs, there's a bunch of options. Depends on what you're looking for, of course. So those are great options, and that's my advice for just a habit that's super practical. You could literally do it in 10 minutes. Okay, next is the idea of finding a balance between indulgence and discipline. So this is a habit. I didn't write find the balance between indulgence and discipline. I wrote initially like exploring finding a balance between indulgence and discipline intentionally because I don't think you're ever going to find a balance between these things that's like perfect and you're like, I've done it. I got it. And that's perfectly fine. But I wanted to be intentional. And one of my friends swiped up and was like, could you actually do an episode on this? And so I wanted to talk about it in this episode because it is a habit of mine. And I'm finding out right now because I feel like my life is very abundant with lacrosse and people and responsibilities and opportunities. And so finding the the balance between indulgence and discipline when it comes to, I primarily think about it with like food. So what you're eating, like eating what you're excited about what you want to eat, but also eating what serves you in terms of health. Relationships, like who are you hanging out with and and indulging in like, am I going to do a four hour dinner with my friends tonight or do I need to pull back and do my work or take time for myself? TV, am I going to watch this TV show tonight? I'm going to go on TikTok for four hours. Is that really going to serve me? If it is, sure, indulge, but you also have to find that balance between discipline and indulgence and saying like okay well maybe I can do TikTok for 15 minutes and then I can pull back and I have to be disciplined but you're giving yourself those little spurts of indulgence rather than overindulging and then feeling like you've lost the reins same thing with social media I overindulge sometimes in social media and posting and stuff and going through people's stories and watching videos and even just I consume a lot of media I love watching movies I love reading and there are times when I feel like I've overdone it. And so finding a balance between like silence, solitude, and being outgoing, consuming things, hearing different ideas, it's important to just figure out, I think especially if you're someone who's like in a relationship or has a friend group that is super active, like constantly going out, figuring out like when do I need to spend time with this person? When do I, or these people? And when do I need to sleep and rest and be alone and be in solitude? It will change the way you show up for those people in those situations when you do. 22, so clean up your messes as you go, both literally and metaphorically. So what I mean by this is very much similar to the crumbs thing. As you go, like when you're cooking, clean up your messes as you go. When you're going throughout your life, let's say you're cooking a huge meal and you're so excited, you're cooking everything, you have everything out, and then you finish the meal and now all you have is this messy kitchen. It totally takes away from the meal you just had. So if you're able to just start putting things away, and this is something my parents are going to listen to this and be like, oh, okay, Kayleen, nice try, because I don't do this when I'm at home. But I'm really working on it and trying to put things away as I go, even just putting my spices back in my herb cabinet or putting things in the dishwasher as I go. And just it makes you feel, one, more mature, and two, just better about what you're creating. And then metaphorically, it's similar to the crumbs thing, like clean up your messes as you go. So If you are going through something and you feel like there's multiple people involved, show up with honesty. Don't wait until things have gone to shit to be like, oh my gosh, can I apologize? Or can I ask your permission for this or do that? Or I'm I'm so sorry, whatever it is, just clean up your messes as you go. It's a really great way to live and it'll make you feel lighter. Like I said, it won't be like getting in bed with a bunch of crumbs. And finally, as we round out this episode, I love this one, this is from my friend Nicoletta. Before buying something, ask yourself, do I want to buy this product or do I want to look like this model slash influencer? Because I constantly find myself doing this with like skincare. I'll be like, do I actually want to buy this? Even like I bought the UFO Sunday Riley serum because I wanted to look like the person who posted it. And then I realized we have completely different skin and it actually made me break out when my skin looked great. So be really cognizant of like, am I buying this because I want to look like the person who's wearing it or Do I actually want to buy it with intention? It goes back to the whole thing of asking like, what is my intention? My friend asked me the other day, he was like, I want to read 10 pages a day, but I'm reading minimum 10 pages for class. And I feel like I also, should I add my 10 pages of self-development reading? I was like, well, what's your intention behind the 10 pages of reading? Is it to develop or is it to just read pages? Because if it's just to read, then yeah, by all means, just read your 10 pages for school and then call it a day. But if it's to self-develop, then read your self-development pages or else you're robbing yourself of that 
development, you're robbing yourself of that intentionality. And same thing goes with buying things. Like we are so overwhelmed with things that we can consume, whether it's media, whether it's clothing or makeup products or shoes. There's so many things that we're just like constantly told, especially with the proliferation of Amazon. It's like everyone just, there's so many things to buy at all times. You can constantly order something. I feel like I order something every day and asking myself, do I want this? How is it going to make me feel? How long is it going to make me feel that way? If it's like, I'm going to buy, like last night I bought a Noah Khan poster. That poster is going to bring me joy every single time I see it. But if I buy one shirt that I'm going to wear out one time, it's probably going to make me feel cute for two hours and then probably just going to, from there, go downhill. Like, be cognizant of the effect that your purchases are going to have on you, how long-lasting they're going to be, if that feeling they bring you are sustainable. And also, if you're purchasing it from a place of insecurity rather than from a place of excitement. And if the excitement is about covering up your insecurities, then that's still coming from a place of insecurity. Hopefully that makes sense. That is my spiel for today. You guys, we are at one hour and 10 and my computer is dying. So that is it for today. I love you all so much. I hope you guys like the habits. I hope you guys have an amazing, amazing week and I will talk to you next week. Cheers to all of you guys. Here's to no crumbs in our beds. Here's to not saying goodnight to people who are not our committed partners, even though that's beside the point. But I hope everyone has a great week. I hope you guys like the habits. Let me know if you guys have any habits that you've been employing that you want me to share. And I love you all. I hope you guys are having the best Sunday in the world. Mwah. And I'd like to know It's more than love at first sight And I want a Sunday